The um, sermon title this morning that I, I've um, been looking at from Matthew 11, John the Baptist, is uh, Doubt. And I was impressed to write, uh, to put something together on this issue. Because I'm sure that it's something all of us go through. All of us have experienced it. And interestingly, um, it was actually put, uh, John the Baptist uh, was put into the lesson study this week. I don't know if you read that part of uh, where John uh, was brought forward. But he did something that all of us should do when we experience doubt in our lives. And that is, he sent a message to Jesus. Asking, are you the one who is to come? Let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father God, there are times I know that even in my own personal experience, doubt has arisen. But we thank you for Jesus. We thank you so much for him that he is the one who will lead us away from that, from those doubts. But to, make, to bring assurance into our lives and into our hearts to know truly he is the one to whom we must go to. Thank you, Jesus for not giving up on us when we have these thoughts. Thank you for the encouragement that you continually give to us. Bless each one of us who is here today. I thank you for them coming in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we read this chapter of Matthew 11, where do we find John the Baptist? We see that he is languishing in prison but he's also questioning his faith he heard about what Jesus was doing and as he thought about these things in despair he wondered was Jesus truly the Messiah of whom he preached about and taught is his word true have I believed and labour in vain he asked himself for my master in, is this dark place my final reward for answering God's call? We have to remember he's in a stinking prison cell. Been there for months, probably 12 months, in fact. Humanly speaking, this is his reward for a life of faithfulness. He is a thread width from death and that's what he gets for being the forerunner of the Messiah, the most exalted prophet of all prophets. He had been bold before the most powerful sinner in his world, Herod Antipas. He told him plainly that what he was doing in his life was wrong and sinful. And he encouraged him to turn away from the wrong in his life and to repent. 
as a result of his faithfulness and his courage, he ended up sitting in this dungeon in the desert. If you remember, he had been filled with the Holy Spirit since his mother's womb. He had taken a Nazarite vow, and that is the vow of abstinence, that is the supreme vow of dedication that a Jew could ever make. To show his singular devotion to the God of whom he worshipped. He preached without fear for over 18 months and experienced tremendous response. Massive crowds, people repenting, people being baptised. Now, suddenly, he slammed in his deep, dark, wretched dungeon. He was, after all, the truest of saints. He was a great, holy, faithful, selfless, loyal, bold prophet of God who did exactly what God asked him to. And that was to be the forerunner of Jesus. And so, lying in that dark dungeon, wondering what life is all about, he questioned if Jesus was truly who we believed him to be. He needed some confirmation that his life up to now wasn't wasted and that Jesus was indeed the Messiah whom he preached about. And so he sent his disciples to Jesus and he asked the question, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else you see as he saw when he was preaching outside the prison and heard when languishing inside the prison Jesus wasn't acting like the predicted Messiah that is what the Jews thought he should be like He wasn't baptizing with fire. He wasn't bringing judgment on Israel's enemies. He wasn't destroying them. This is what the Jews believed the Messiah would do when he came. But Jesus didn't act like that. And because of that, John doubted somewhat his own experience of Jesus. I wonder, in your own personal lives, if questions like these make their way through your mind or my mind, is Jesus really the Saviour? Have my sins been forgiven? Even though I've confessed them over and over and over again. Can I trust this book called the Bible? Will I be raised from the dead if I should die? Does heaven lie ahead of me? Will I be there? Is all that I believe a cruel delusion? 
I just want to share with you this morning to tell you this, that these questions that we have in our minds and our hearts sometimes are not a failure of our faith. But they are instead tests of our faith. And that they can be answered in John the Baptist's way. You see, if ever you and I are plagued with doubt of any sort, we should take it to Jesus. Jesus didn't abandon John to his doubts. Neither will he abandon you and I to our doubts. But he will tell us and show us in ways that we don't always realize that truly he is our Savior and our Lord and that he loves us so very much. He sent word to his, uh, through his disciples to John, tell John what you see and what you hear, he said. Tell him of the miracles, the blind see, the lame walk, those with skin diseases are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news of the gospel, encouraging them to believe and trust in me, that is in Jesus. And as he heard these things, this greatly encouraged John to keep his faith and his trust in Jesus Why, while he lay in that prison awaiting the decision of King Herod. Doubt, dear friends, is a very, very real thing for people who believe in God's word. It is a reality, but it is not an acceptable reality and it needs to be addressed in our lives. Jeremiah expressed doubt. Moses doubted God. Gideon doubted God. Elijah doubted God. The apostles themselves doubted God. We understand that coming face to face with doubt is coming face to face with ourselves. And that's why this is an important passage because it's going to help us to be able to deal with doubt should it come in our personal life. Doubt is a struggle to believe. It is something that prevents us from fully believing. It can be momentary, it can be prolonged. It can even be permanent. Doubt is a mental state in which the mind remains suspended between two or more contradictory propositions. Unable to assent to any of them. It's an emotional level of indecision between belief 
undisciplined. It may involve uncertainty, distrust even, or lack of conviction on certain facts. That's why we should take our doubts to Jesus, because only he can restore our hope the hope that we want so much within us once more. In Psalm 14, verse 1, perhaps you, I don't know if you've got your Bibles with you, but maybe you'd like to look at it. It says this, The fool says in his heart, God does not exist. They are corrupt. Their actions are revolting. There is no one who does good. The psalmist tells us that unbelievers do not believe in God. By their actions they say God does not exist and therefore it doesn't matter what they do because God's not there anyway. There's no judgment if you don't believe in God, so they say. You see, doubt comes from our inability to deal with negative circumstances when we perceive ourselves as being faithful people. That's why John the Baptist struggled with doubt. It doesn't seem to happen with those who are not faithful. If you're a Christian and you're living the best of your ability in Jesus and you're playing around with sin and you're dishonouring God with your disobedience when things go bad you know why they go bad isn't that right you say well I'm getting what I deserve You know, there's an illustration in the New Testament of on this very thought that illustrates it profoundly. He'd only been a believer for a few hours. He was hanging on the cross next to Jesus. Do you remember he said to him, Lord, remember me when you go to your kingdom. Jesus said to him, you will be with me in paradise. A few hours before that, the thief was railing on Jesus along with his fellow thief who was on the other cross. But he came to a realisation that this was no ordinary person who was hanging between them. And do you remember what the thief said to the other one who was taunting Jesus? He said to him, we are getting exactly what we deserve. He didn't say to Jesus, Lord, I'm a believer. Why is this happening to me? 
No, he had no expectations. He had no life of faithfulness to parade before God. All he had was a hope that Jesus would be merciful to him. And he was, wasn't he? People who are very much aware of their deliberate sins and weaknesses don't experience doubt in their lives. Instead, they see the outcome of their lives as consistent with their behaviour. The people who struggle with doubt are the people who live these very sacrificial and devout Christian lives. And suddenly, when something happens in their lives, they can't see how the circumstances connect with what they've been doing in terms of their faithfulness to God. And they question God. It is possible that in a moment of physical or spiritual weaknesses, a believer is more likely to doubt his salvation after sinning or after a spiritual defeat. A misunderstanding of such verses as 1 John 3, 9 contributes to this doubt for a Christian. Because it says quite clearly, everyone who is born of God does what? Does not sin. It's very important for us to see and to understand that this verse speaks of a lifestyle of sin, not an instant of sin. It is true that the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23, that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one perfect in this world. And I've said it here before to you. None of us here, there's no one here in this church perfect except for me and my friend here, of course. Thank you very much. But then I'm not so sure about Gregory. <laughs> but no, there's no one perfect, not even I. What John is saying is that those who come to Jesus and surrender their lives to him will sometime or at some time fall to sin. But they won't live a continued life of sin like an unbeliever. But instead they come to Jesus in repentance, asking him for his forgiveness and for strength and courage to continue their walk with him. Our doubts come when we've convinced ourselves that even though we belong to God, even though we're loyal and faithful to God, we sometimes wonder, does God truly love me? Has he really forgiven my sin? If everything doesn't go the way we believe, it should, as I believe it should, 
we begin to wonder if he cares or he really is our saviour. But sometimes we fail in our selfishness, in our ignorance, to see the whole picture, the whole plan of God. And we must understand that all our circumstances, no matter how negative they might be, are subject to the ultimate divine purpose of God and his kingdom. You see, God can bring good from anything that looks bad. Difficult circumstances, personal tragedy causes people to doubt. The death of a child to a faithful Christian parent. The loss of a life partner through death, through desertion, through immorality. The loss of a job, loss of a treasured friend, loss of health, a car accident, you name it. There are multitudes of things that can cause us and lead us to doubt God. But when these things happen, we say to God, I've been such a faithful Christian. So why are these things happening to me? And sometimes doubt takes control. And we wonder, does God really care? You see, John the Baptist was struggling with that. But he did the right thing. He sent his disciples directly to Jesus. He had begun to stumble like the man in the book of Mark who had brought his son to be healed by the disciples. When Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, this man brought his disabled son to be healed of him. And they couldn't. They tried, but they couldn't. He began to doubt. When Jesus came down from the mountain, he pleaded with him to heal his son. He cried out to Jesus, Help me, Lord. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Did Jesus help that man's son? Or did he say, Sorry, I'm not having anything to do with you. You don't believe me completely. Of course he healed him. And just like you and I, when, when, when doubt comes to our lives, he doesn't give up on us. He loves you too much to do that. And he will do everything in his power to save you to his kingdom. One of the most potent sources of doubt is introduced in the early chapters of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. That was where Satan tempted Eve. He did so by <coughs> excuse me, he did so by enticing Eve to disbelieve God. He said to Eve, God knows that in the day you eat of the fruit of this tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
That was true. You see, before Eve had sinned and taken that fruit, she did not know the difference between good and evil. She only knew good. But Satan caused her to distrust God. That's why she took the fruit. God was implying to her that God had a in- hidden agenda, sorry, a hidden agenda from him, from her, and, and it was it is an evil one. The devil knew that once that Eve doubted the goodness of God, temptation would work. And the fall would come. The rest is history. Here we are today, thousands of years later plagued with thoughts that the devil puts into our minds. So it was Satan himself who brought the first doubt of a human being into being. He even tried to get the long-suffering Job to doubt God's goodness and curse him. Satan is seeking to destroy all of us who believe in Jesus. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. He said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can destroy. Resist him, Peter says. Firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being suffered by your brothers in this world. (coughs) In other words, he's saying, you're not on your own. You aren't the only one that's going through difficulties in your life. You aren't the only one that might be experiencing doubt. But it's when we come to Jesus, that's when doubt can be thrust or, or thrown to a side And he can renew our faith and our strength in him once more. Satan wants to destroy our commitment to God and to destroy our testimony before others. He has a plan for your life. The plan is this, doubt to make you question God's word and his goodness. To bring discouragement. To make you look at your problems rather than looking at God. To bring diversion into your life. To make the wrong things seem attractive so that we will want them more than we will Jesus. He brings defeat to make us feel like a failure so that we don't even try. You know, there's a saying, there's nothing wrong with being down as long as you don't stay down. There are some who wallow in their downness or depression, excuse me, um, but if you 
going through a difficult time, we're told the only way, if you're down so far, the only way is up. Look to Jesus. And another thing he brings into our, our um, lives is, is to cause delay. To make us put off something that we should get done today. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow or next week or the week after, but today. And the devil will do everything to stop you from being saved, if he can. That's why when we have the opportunity of accepting Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour, we should do it immediately when the opportunity is given to us. Many of us know what it's like to be troubled for those we love when things go wrong in their lives. The Word of God says that he knows the end from the beginning and therefore answers our prayers accordingly. Sometimes when our prayers aren't answered, we think, well, Lord, surely you should have done this. But at times like this, when God says no, we need to trust him more. He knows what's ahead. We don't. We don't even know if we're going to be here this evening. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out that door from our church this morning. We can only hope and pray that God will continue to sustain us and we will go back home. But you know there are many people who've left home in the morning and they don't end up going home in the evening. The Apostle James says this in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 5 to 7. He said, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and he will be giving to you. But let him ask in faith without doubting. Wisdom helps us understand God's ways of working. It was through the wisdom of God that Campbell Morgan, a preacher of the 18th century, went back to the study of the word of God after experiencing doubt in his life. Because he was reading books that were not Christian. And so he took all of those books that were taking him away from God, he threw them all away, and he went out and he bought another Bible, a new Bible, and he sat and he studied that Word of God until the conviction of his salvation was once more realized. He followed the example of Paul's admonition found in 2 Corinthians 13.5 which reads Test yourself 
to see if you are in the faith. Prove yourself. He threw those books away, as I said to you, renewing his faith. History tells us he became a powerful preacher and influenced many, many people for God's kingdom. If we have the assurance of our salvation in Jesus, then doubt cannot, will not have power over our lives. Paul says this in Romans 10 verse 9, and I'm not sure if I shared this one the last time I came, but if I did, I don't apologise for that. It says this, please remember it. If you don't remember anything else that I've preached or talked about this morning, please remember this verse. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you hear that? There was no might be or could be. You will be saved. Verse 10 says, With the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation. You see, my friends, salvation from sin is simple trust in Jesus Christ. Through prayerful, faithful study of the Word of God, our faith can be strengthened and matured. And our salvation in Jesus will be assured. Doubt cannot find a place in the assurance of salvation. And so I pray this morning that you and I will learn from this marvellous account of one of the greatest of men who struggled with the most human of problems and that God will empower us through his word to dispel all doubts from our individual lives. Amen.